Coming to you from the Gardner-Webb University Podcast Studios, welcome to Web Chat. I'm Noel T. Manning II, and today I'd like to welcome Dan Sellers. He's the host, producer, and co-writer for the Carolina Haints Podcast. He's also the owner of Wreak Havoc Movie Productions, and he's a published author. Also joining us is the Dean of the Dover Library at Gardner-Webb University, Natalie Bishop. Bishop spearheaded a recent visit with Sellers to the Gardner-Webb University campus where he engaged in dialogue with students and the community. So stick around. We'll be right back with that interview with Sellers and Bishop right after this. Balsam Range, winner of 13 awards from the International Bluegrass Music Association, including Entertainer of the Year, will headline the second concert in Brinkley Amphitheater at Gardner-Webb University. Special guest Fireside Collective will open the event on November the 18th. The Boiling Springs Tourism Development Authority is a sponsor for this event, and WNCW is a media sponsor. Once again, the event takes place Saturday, November 18th, 5 p.m. Tickets are available now. More information is available online at gardner-web.edu. Dan Sellers, welcome. We're so glad to have you here at the uh, Gardner Web University uh, Podcast mm-hmm. Studios here on uh, the Elliott House, the historic Elliott House. We were talking before we went on the air. We're not sure if it's haunted or not, but it's, it's, if it is, you're going to help us uh, figure out what oh, we can right. do to, to create some stories. Uh, Dan, you are a podcaster, you're yep. a writer, yep. you're a filmmaker, mm-hmm. uh, and you love spooky stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's my jam. So, but that's not your day job. We're not going to talk about your day job, but, but we're going to talk about this fun stuff. Uh-huh. So what's the journey? How did you get there, and, and where did the love come from for that? Uh, the love came from when I was a little kid, and I used to read uh, ghost story books, okay. and especially the ones like Nancy Roberts and um, Charles Henry Wedby, people like that who would write these uh, stories about North Carolina folklore and ghost tales, and it was just it was just so endlessly fascinating for me to read about a place that was just down the road. It was like, holy cow, this is like this is I guess it's like a, another level of reality to it that um, with just you know fictionalized stories you don't get, but that that love for those stories, uh, and that interest never uh, faded. And if anything, it just kind of evolved into this love of horror. And um, eventually, when I got old enough to make films and, you know, the the technology got cheap enough to yeah. where you could do it amateurly, um, yeah, I started making films uh, about 10 years ago. And um, just basically as a need for a creative outlet. You know, I was I've always been a, a creative person, and I just... If it wasn't this, it was going to be something. I had to do something or I was going to go crazy. So um, filmmaking is kind of where my creative journey really began. Talk talk about filmmaking a little bit more. Where is your greatest love as it relates to filmmaking? Is it the coming up with the story? Is it the editing, the shooting, the cinematography? What is it? Because I, I love film and I love every aspect of it. Um, I, I, I do too. I love a lot of aspects. I, I can, right off the bat, I can tell you the least favorite thing is the thing I do the most and that's producing. Okay. Okay. Um, that's just because somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Somebody's got to be the boss and make things happen. If the guy's not there to make things happen, they don't happen. Right. But the thing I enjoy the most is probably editing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's where things really come together. You have yeah. a lot of storytelling power mm-hmm. in the editing room. Um, yeah. 
I'm with you. That's that's my favorite too. Because yeah. all the pieces of the puzzle come together and you feel like you are helping to kind of mold it and shape it and bring it to life. Yeah, and, and you know, to, it, there's also kind of... It, it, it's cool to, to edit because you're, you're working with a finite amount of material. You know what I mean? It's, it's there. What you got is what you got, and it's building something out of that. Um, directing is cool, too. I mean, and, you know, I, I edit usually as a director, so right. and I direct as an editor. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is, you know, if, if I know we have the cover I'm, I'm usually editing in my head as we're shooting so as if we have the coverage we need i'm ready to move on i there's been plenty of times where the crew will be like you don't want another take i'm like no we got this perfect <laughs> I, I can see it in my head already i know what we need um the clint eastwood method i don't know if you know his method but he shoots rehearsals when he does no. rehearsals, he'll shoot rehearsals in their yeah. time. He's like, okay, we're good. What, what do you mean we're good? No, I got it. We're good. I, I, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I like to, to shoot as scripted, but I also like to open it up and let people do their own thing. And um, so d- directing is a lot of fun. I don't know that I'm as good at it as I am at editing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, one of the hardest things to do as a director is – to get your, to articulate, I'm having a hard time now. It's it's articulating <laughs> what it is you're looking for. I, I have the 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 vi- the creative vision. I know mm-hmm. exactly what I'm looking for up here in the old yeah. noggin. But to get it out there in a way that people a understand it and b buy into it right. and can do it, that's the hard part. And and but but it's it's fun. You know, it, it, it's a challenge, but. Um, I, I've had some real success with it over yeah. the years, and I, I love doing it. I wish I could do it more often. I stay so yeah. busy; it's just, I don't, I don't get to make films like uh, like I'd like to. Yeah. But yeah. It, it it is a it isn't like you said that creative outlet. I, I'm one who always has to have some kind of creative outlet. And yeah. fortunately, my son and I, we do some um, some movie related things together, and awesome. so I'm able to utilize that creative outlet with someone who enjoys doing it as much as, as me and to be anytime I can spend more time with my son I'm yeah. going to take every uh, I'm ounce right there of it. with you and so uh I, I I know what you mean that creative outlet you've <laughs> got to have it you've got to have it so your production company what's the name of it it's Wreak Havoc Productions and mostly horror the genre of horror yeah we we, we that's just kind of where we naturally gravitate yeah. to especially me when I when I start putting pen to paper that's kind of what ekes out as you know something spooky but uh yeah we, we've we've done we've produced several dramas yeah. and uh some documentary films as well too so do you do film festivals with with the films that you produce yeah yeah absolutely yeah. we there we've played all over the world in, in film festivals and the really neat thing is we host our own film festival okay too, which is the wreak havoc horror film festival uh that just finished its ninth year winston-salem it's in Winston-Salem, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we were in Greensboro for a while, now we're in Winston, and uh, we're getting geared up for uh, year 10. That's awesome. Well, if you yeah. want to, I'm going to pitch a, a couple of local film festivals. Yeah. If you want to submit your work there as well, the Real to Real Film Festival in uh, Kings Mountain, North Carolina, 25 years this year. Wow. Uh, and so it's been around for a long time, and it, it covers everything, documentaries, feature uh, animation and it's worldwide from from year one, which is pretty amazing. And then the Foothills Film Festival, which is relatively new in its first few years, 
uh, Brad Horde, who is uh, who loves to produce uh, horror related films. Um, he's a he's a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Brad's film festival gonna gonna pitch that out there as well, and that's in Shelby, uh, and, and they're a few years old. So I don't know if you've had any of your work pitched uh, there or uh, submitted any of your work there. I'm, you know, I hate to say this, I sound <laughs> terrible, but I'm almost certain. We've had things play it real to real. Now at Foothills, I know we did because I was there and actually won an award okay. at Foothills. Not last year, but year before. Okay. We had a uh, short horror film called Birthday Boy Okay, that won Best Horror Award. Yeah. I think it was Best Horror. Maybe it was Best Comedy. I can't yeah. remember. It's a horror comedy, but um, it won an award. I was very grateful for Yeah. That, the, yeah. the film festivals are just a great time to have networking with others oh, yeah. who love the art, but also others who are in the art. Oh yeah, well. absolutely, and and I got to know Brad a little bit, and uh, we've actually uh, helped co-produce, I think, two of his short okay. films. Okay. Um, well, look at that. I had no idea. Stuff. Yeah. That's great. See, oh, I was yeah. just trying to connect you, and you don't need it. <laughs> go go back and watch. I think his last two. You'll see executive producer Dan Sellers. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Which honestly doesn't mean much, but <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> well, well, Dan, you you were on our campus uh, because I guess you got an invite from from someone. We got the dean of the library yeah. over here, Natalie Bishop. Uh, so tell us about why Dan has been here at Gardner-Webb University. So we invited Dan to come in October to tell spooky stories. Uh, Dan and I go way, way back to our teenage years, mm-hmm. just about. Um, and even back then, I remember Dan was always interested in spooky things, horror, great storyteller from the very beginning. Um, I have followed his journey through Carolina Haints for a long time. And I was like, this would just be the perfect way to close out October on our campus. So um, I really wanted our students to have an opportunity to engage with Dan to hear spooky stories, but to also talk about the art of podcasting. We just started um, a podcasting studio that's open to all students at our library, and we just felt like this was the right moment. It's such a cool studio, too. I got a chance to check it out earlier, and I'm so jealous. I wish I had that when I was... Podcasting wasn't a thing when I was in college, (laughs) but if it was, I'd have been there, trust me. So uh, talk about the podcasting uh, end of things. You've been in it for how many years now? Oh, wow. Uh, we started in 2015. Wow. So yeah, going on eight while. eight yeah. years, almost a decade into this. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, you did speak to students uh, earlier uh, about uh, kind of those changes that you saw from a technology standpoint and uh, the quality standpoint in content and in equipment. Um, so what, are, what do you think is the greatest lessons you've learned from just getting in there and doing it from a podcast standpoint? Oh, wow. From a creation um, standpoint, whether it's the technology or whether it's the creation of, of the, the shows. It's, I think the thing that, that my big, one of my biggest takeaways is um, make something. <laughs> if you want people to listen to what you make, make something of quality. You know, mm-hmm. Really put some effort into it, put some time into it. Uh, make something that you would want to hear yourself, not just what you think other people want to hear. Because I, I think that I, I've talked about this today. I think that is a recipe for disaster. Always trying to please somebody else. Please yourself first with your content, um, but make the quality so that uh, everyone could enjoy it. Because you know? right. that, that, that's part of the problem with 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 podcasts. It is so easy to do and so mm-hmm. accessible that it's the field is saturated with yes. and, and 
I'm not trying to be judgmental, but there's a lot of bad podcasts yeah. out there or, or podcasts that just seem to have no direction, no theme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and it's it's one of those things like of just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. My dad always uh, said, hey, just because you know how to use a chainsaw doesn't mean you should. So yeah, yeah. Now, of course, you're not. Gonna, hopefully, you're not going to cut your arm off while you're doing a podcast. But <laughs> just because your MacBook has GarageBand doesn't mean you have to make a podcast. Now, I'm willing to talk because you know I, I will openly admit our the first couple of years of doing it was not great. Um, I'm not saying we didn't put a lot of work into it, but, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, you, you get better, hopefully, the more you do things and as it goes along and you kind of figure out the the theme and the voice of things. Yeah. And um, I feel like we're in a good place now with Carolina Haynes. We're, we're kind of uh, winding the show down, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but I'd rather wind it down when we're kind of at the top of the game yeah. rather than, you know, People be tired of us. Right. I don't want that. But there is a podcast for everyone, no yeah. matter what your oh, yeah. interest would be, and even podcast for things you're not interested in. Yeah. So, how did you find um, this particular voice, uh, the theme of what you're doing? How did you find that and say, "Yeah, we've got something"? And when did you know it was the right thing to do? Um, it, it really was about trying to make something that I would want to listen to. Okay. The Podcast Phil did not include ghost stories specifically or, or, or folk tales uh, about this region. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a few of them out now, but when we started, there weren't any. And, um, you know, you, you did have shows that were like talk shows where people would talk about them and they'd have, you know, they'd laugh and stuff. But um, I, I love to hear a good ghost story. Mm-hmm. I love something that can, can give me the chills and, and the goosebumps and, that's what I wanted to do, um, and it took a few years to kind of get the the whole um, wide ranging aspect. So I, I get asked sometimes, especially people who, who aren't from the South, "What's a haint?" And I have to explain to them that a that that's a Southern colloquialism for mm-hmm. you know anything that's haunted, a ghost, whatever. But in the broader context of our show, I like to say that you know haints are anything that that haunt us mm-hmm. you know and that doesn't have to be a spirit that can be a terrible tragedy that mm-hmm. happened um or a mystery that's never been solved um that haunts us you know those are things that yeah. that we continue to talk about um i just spoke uh to an audience uh, earlier this week about um a mass murder that happened 94 years ago and people were still riveted. They, they love hearing about it and yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't go away. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, w- one of the things we, we kind of um, discovered over the years is, is it, it doesn't just have to be about ghosts. Right. You right. Know, we, we kind of include all folklore tales um, and especially anything that that kind of gives you the willies yeah so what gives you the willies what are the things that spook you <laughs> that, that creep you out that, that's a good question yeah. and I don't know that I have a great answer <laughs> for you but it, it's it's less about what gives me the willies more about what what I just find joy from I okay. honestly it, it I love these old tales I love these stories having grown up with them helps you know yeah 
it, it's it's wonderful to uh, to read about Peter Drum Ghoul, but then when you actually uh, go to Chapel Hill and visit Gimgul Castle, and you go, "Wow, this is a creepy place. Who yeah. built this? You know, why would they do that?" Or you know, it's one thing to read about the demon dog of Valley Crucis, but then when you go to the graveyard mm-hmm. and you like you stand there in the middle of the night and you realize how creepy this is, yeah. Maybe that's what gives me the yeah. willies is is kind of putting myself into that situation. Yeah, I, I remember growing up reading a lot of these North Carolina ghost stories, and um, I worked at a summer camp in Denton, North Carolina. I'm from the eastern part of the state, and so I would always drive through Siler City. Yeah. And so every time I would drive through Siler City, I would have this just the hairs on the back of my neck. Is that the Devil's Tramping Ground? Is that right? In Siler mm-hmm. City? Yep. And uh, I always wanted to take a, a group of friends and just kind of camp out there every night, but I never got the courage. <laughs> never got the courage to actually do it. Yeah, yeah. It's a creepy place. Yeah. Um, so if you're not familiar with the Devil's Tramping Ground, that that it, it, it's a legend that's been around. Um, I, my understanding is before Europeans colonized the area. I mean, wow. it was well-known to the natives before. Um, and it's a circle of land uh, in Chatham County near this area called Bear Creek where nothing grows. And what they say is the devil um, comes to this spot in the middle of the night and tramps around in circles, devising new plots against humanity. And that's why the grass doesn't grow. Um you know, it's one of those, it's been around forever. You know, everyone in the area knows of it. It's on Devil's Tramping Around Road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, depending when you go out there, sometimes it, it's gated up and there's no trespassing signs. And then sometimes it's wide open. You go on in and there's nothing to keep you from going in. Um, one of the theories is that if you put anything inside the circle and, come, and leave it overnight, you'll come back to find it's outside the circle. That includes people. Yeah. If you try to sleep in there, right. a lot of times people wake up on the outside. Um, again, I, I don't know how true yeah. any of this is, and I don't really so, so care. So you, you've never camped out there? I have put things <laughs> out there. Really? That have been moved. Okay. Not outside the circle. Uh, okay. But, um, but no, I've never yeah. camped out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'd be more worried about the weirdo people <laughs> that are attracted to the devil's right. tramping ground than the devil. Himself. Yeah, like Noel Manning. If he shows up, um, you, you better <laughs> run. You better, watch you better run. run. Well, Natalie, you, you talked about this relationship. You've known each other for, for so long. And I know uh, when uh, I, I first walked to the library today and saw you talking, you were already asking some questions. So I know you've got some questions as well to share uh, with us and uh, share with uh, with Dan. So, Dan, uh, one of the things that I was really curious about is um, how did you build folklore from our area into your podcast in the sense that um, it would be so easy to want to prioritize those really familiar tales from home? How did you break past that into a wider North Carolina folklore? (laughs) So... um... I'll tell you, it started with books. That that's where it starts, and we've kind of expanded from there. But um, when we, me and my my uh, co my co writer Jeffrey Cochran, who does predominantly most of the research and writing on the podcast, when we started, you know, I, I had a huge book collection of of uh, Carolina folklore, and so did he, and um, we use that as a good starting place. So somewhere in Jeff's files. 
he has this amazing uh, Excel spreadsheet, this matrix of just stories that I actually need to get a copy of. I need to go through it. But um, we have stories documented pretty much in every county, every town. You know, some you can find a lot of documentation for. Some there's there's virtually none. Um, every, but, you know, everywhere I go, I travel all over the state um, rigging these stories, and I always hear about a new story I've never heard of before. Um, but it, like I said, it always starts from the books. Um, and then, you know, a lot of times with the Internet now, everything is out there always everywhere. So there's, you know, um, if you have that good starting place, you can always go digging for more information. How do you take these multiple sources, these different books, these different internet resources that you found, and then craft that into a story that is uniquely Carolina Haynes while you've read the same story from many other places? How do you keep from just retelling somebody else's story? Maybe this will relate to to your to the students here. It's kind of like writing a paper and doing like a literature review and <laughs> You're finding all these all these books and and periodicals about um, a topic, and you know you're not expected to to regurgitate um, what someone else wrote. But um, we try to to take everything, understand it, synthesize it down, um, and put it into our own words and put our own flavor to it. I guess that that makes sense, um, and. We're always focused on the story. We don't really care if something's true or not, and we're that's not our not our concern. If um, a story can be debunked, if if it can be, or if, you know, we, we may mention it as a you know as part of the the story, but um, it's you know we we stay focused on the tale itself and and what's interesting about it, and, and oft, also often how it. Um, how it continues to be reflected in that area. So earlier today we were talking about Nobby uh, from Cleveland County. I'm wearing a Nobby T-shirt that I bought in Caser and <laughs> this morning. And <laughs> um, I, I was and Caser thanks you for for that. Oh uh, yeah, anytime. <laughs> and and I, I learned something new. I learned there was a fi- a, a Nobby 5K. And I was delighted to learn that. <laughs> that's not something I knew before. And I've researched Nobby a great deal. Um, and I've also heard from um, uh, a local resident today I spoke with who told me about a uh, the potential of Nobby maybe impregnating somebody as well, too, today. So, wow. um, And I, that's a news story. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Well, you know, well, think what you will of it, but yeah. anything like that that's new that spreads mm-hmm. around, it just adds to the war and contributes to it. Yeah. So when you hear these kinds of new stories, even if they're based on something previously, you kind of take that with you, you, you let it, I guess, digest. Or When do you decide that you want to follow up on that even more and, and see if there's more to the story? Probably what I'll be doing here in the next few months, yeah. which is is hopefully writing it into a book chapter. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, 
you know, on the show, we, we, we don't really get into our own, our own experiences too much on the show because mm-hmm. that's not what it's about. It's about the stories. But in the books, we kind of give, we're, we have a little bit more room to stretch and uh, talk about our personal experiences of going to these places, talking to people there, reaching out, you know, seeing what they have to say about it. So it, it goes a little bit beyond uh, what's out there in the mm-hmm. literature. So. So you've been building your audience for a while. How many seasons? We are in our seventh season right. now. Seventh season, 14 or so episodes per, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at what point do you think that your audience kind of expanded beyond where you thought it would be? Was there, was there a moment? Was there an episode? Was there something that happened that triggered that for you? You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's a gradual thing. Okay. And probably somewhere in the third season, I, I was like, Wow, we're getting a lot more listeners than I thought I was going to, and uh, maybe maybe you know a moment would be hearing from people um, who were listeners of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a weird story, but I, 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 should, I don't know if I should mention it or not. But I had a lady who emailed me one, you know, maybe in our third or fourth season, and who was in England. And I was surprised anyone outside. I'm always surprised when anyone outside North and South Carolina even, you know, tries to listen to this show. Cause I just, you know, surprises me, but, um, she, she just told me about how much she loved the show and how, um, she loved the sound of my voice and had been going to sleep. It, my my voice helped put her to sleep every night, listening to the soothing sounds. The soothing of my sounds voice. of your voice. There yeah. you go. And I remember talking to her and going, "Okay, well, maybe I am getting some listeners here. That's, that's kind of odd, but all right. Well, you know, you, you I'll take it. England. Yeah, there you go. You know, there's there's something about your voice for those in England. Hey, I'll there take it. Yeah. Dan, have you ever considered that Carolina hates the podcast? is sort of like the next piece in a bigger story about North Carolina folklore that you're documenting these tales for a generation of people that may not read the same books that you read when you were growing up or their grandparents aren't telling them the same tales that we heard from our grandparents growing up and that in a big way you're almost like an anthropologist Mm. Saving something that could very easily disappear and go away. Well, I'm 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 flattered by that. I I, I know I have not really considered that to be honest with you. I, I just these are stories that um, I was I've always been familiar with most of them. You know, some of them are new to me every now and then. But um, um, but yeah, I I do understand that um, it, these stories have a way of kind of disappearing if they're not told, Mm. if people aren't, if they aren't shared with people. And if, you know, if it's not in a format or a medium that are, that it's going to be consumed by people, then they're not going to get it. And, and, uh, some of these tales can, can go away. It's one of the reasons why I love going around the state and, and telling them is it's just another way of getting out there and keeping things alive. So, so you mentioned that Carolina Haints is coming t- toward an end at some point. Well, you know, the podcast okay. is coming to an end. We will still do special episodes every okay. now and then. Like, and um, But we're, we're planning to expand uh, the 
I guess the reins of, of Carolina Haynes. We've already been doing that. Um, we've uh, built it into a nonprofit organization mm-hmm. um, last year. And uh, one of the things we've been able to do is put is to try to get uh, what they call uh, legends and lore historical markers up around the state. Oh, I love that. Yeah, they're beautiful. If you ha- if you don't know what they are, Google it. Um, legends and lore. Um, it's it's something that's done by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation, and they're very similar to the um, state historical mm-hmm. markers, the silver ones, but th- these are red, and they have this uh, cool moon and stars on it, and um, it's specifically for the weird folktale things that, you know, um, that are part of the fabric of a community. Wow. Love you know? that. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I absolutely love the idea. And we got our first one put up in Jamestown uh, for Lydia's Bridge uh, earlier this year. And uh, I just submitted another application a few weeks ago. So I've got my fingers crossed. Hopefully that'll pan out. And um, we would very much love to put more markers up all over North and South Carolina. So if people are interested in sharing some of the stories and finding out more about that, what's the best way? Just to Google that, or is there a specific website? Well, you can always go to our website, okay. carolinahaines.com. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, i got to get better about updating that <laughs> website. But uh, on the website, you can find pretty much everything we do, from the podcast to the book to um, the, the nonprofit and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, so... Uh, in, in speaking with you and hearing you speak today earlier as well, I, I don't think that you're someone that's going to just sit once Carolina Ain't the Podcast no longer exists as a podcast <laughs> except for special episodes. Yeah, You've already talked about kind of expanding the footprint of what that's going to be, but what do you think is next for Dan Sellers beyond Carolina Haints? I know you've got wreak havoc and yeah. the writing, but is there something else out there that you're wanting to pursue that that's just got you've got that itch uh yeah i've got a real desire to bring carolina haynes to tv wow okay yeah but um I, it's a little premature to to get into yeah. details but um I, I i would love to do that to tell some of these uh stories in a more visual medium yeah yeah awesome yeah. awesome natalie any final questions you want to share no final questions, but I will put in a plug for my favorite Carolina Hates episode. Okay, go for it. The Hound of Goshen. Ah, it's one of my favorites, too. So why? Why is it one of your favorites? Because you can't just say it. You've got to say why. So growing up as a kid, that was a story that we always heard. It was intentionally meant to scare us, uh, but we always <laughs> heard it called white thing. And I remember very vividly as a child, you'd be riding in the back seat of the car at night going somewhere like out in the middle of nowhere with your mom and dad and you're looking at the side of the road going I wonder if that white dog is going to show up (laughs) you know anticipating feeling terror when you see it Um, and it was just such a heartwarming experience to hear Dan's Carolina Hates episode on the Hound of Goshen it just brought back a lot of really fond memories and a little bit of that terror you know you're driving home from Gardner Webb at night going Please, God, don't let me see that white dog on the side of the road. <laughs> so um, if you want to start with a really good one, Hound of Goshen is it. I've always been drawn to folklore, ghost stories, all of those things as a kid as well. Yeah. I read the books, just 
drawn to that. And even TV series, uh, heard you talking earlier about Rod Serling and the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. Loved the Twilight Zone as a kid. It, it already finished its run, but in reruns, I just drawn to that mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. morals of those stories that came out. They hold up. Uh, yeah, they hold up. It's it's pretty fascinating. And then, uh, of course, um, you know, The X-Files is something that really appealed to mm-hmm. me. And then the TV series Supernatural. Talk about the folklore and yeah. the tales. There were so many of these folklore tales throughout the uh, United States and beyond that made their way into episodes where they created this kind of narrative around it. The the hitchhiker story kind of, you know, I don't know how many times I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, the lady on the road kind uh-huh. of stuff. And, and I love that. I love how you can find ways to continue to make it feel new and fresh and, and uh, really a, appeal to new audiences who may have never heard them before. Well, thank you. That's That's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts, comments you want to share? No, I'm just, I'm very thankful to Natalie and for Gardner Webb for having me. Um, I, I was telling her earlier, I, I, the last time I was here was about 19 years ago. And uh, it was, you know, beautiful campus then and still is now. Yeah. So yeah. I'm happy to be here. Dan Sellers, Carolina Haynes, uh, thank you so much for joining us right here thank you. on uh, Web Chat. And uh, Natalie, um, I want to give you a chance to give a plug for some of the things that the library does. I know that you do events like this, but what are some other things that you would like to share that that you do or even things about the library that you think the public needs to know about? So um, just connected with this podcasting alone, um, we have a fully functional podcasting studio that is available to all students on our campus. Um, it has your microphones, your headphones, a roadcaster. Um, we also have software for editing, which is something that Dan talked about a lot with our group this morning, how important that editing process is to have a really polished sound and a really polished feel to your podcast. Um, We also have support. So if uh, you are new and you were just getting started, we've got folks who can help you with the technology. So you don't feel like you're having to do it completely alone. So um, just please come and be creative and not just be creative in the podcasting studio, but to really think about the library as a creative space. Um, It is a space that belongs to our students And we would like for them to come and explore who they are, um, their own creativity in our library um, so that they can find that passion that they take with them throughout the entire rest of their lives. Thanks again to Dan Sellers and Natalie Bishop for joining us on WebChat. Remember, you can find and subscribe to official podcasts just like these on all of your favorite platforms and follow Gardner Web News and Events online at gardner-web.edu. For Gardner Web University and Web Chat, I'm Nolte Manning II. Thanks for joining us.